Welcome to the Send Nutrition Podcast, where we discuss horse health, nutrition, training and performance. Welcome everyone to the next installment of the Send Nutrition Podcast. You're with your hosts, Brian and Peter, and we are up to episode 17. And this episode will be about endurance horses and trying to maximize their performance through proper nutrition, training, and also understanding the muscle fibers and how to properly feed them and the research behind this. How are you, Peter? Brian, I'm fantastic again this week. It's been another hectic day in, in the office and, and out and about. We've been doing our, our rounds with, with meeting clients and obviously addressing any issues that they've had. So the week's gone really quickly. We're going to probably go into something a little bit different in terms of going in the next few podcasts into some of the different breeds and, and, and disciplines with, with training and feeding. Because a lot of a lot of the inquiries we get is for horse owners and say, well, I've got an Arabian or I've got a performance horse or I've got a show jumping horse. And each horse needs to be trained differently and obviously fed differently. So we'll try to let our listeners know what's the best way to feed and also to work in the training method for that particular feeding style. Because it's like energy in and then training out so you got to match your workload to the feed that's you know that the horse is getting fed yeah and endurance horses this discipline shows a real big influence in how nutrition and its influence in the performance of an endurance horse because an endurance horse is classified as a horse that rides from 20 to 30 kilometers to 150 kilometer rides and this is really testing all their body systems, drawing out all their nutrients, and nutrition is going to play a massive role in this. Well, also the way you know the way you train and feed an endurance horse is no way similar to what you would train a show jumper or, or a you know or a thoroughbred. So this is very important. Where you know we think maybe there's a bit of an overlap with with some owners that do have endurance horses they might not be training enough, or, or they might be training too much and not feeding enough. So hopefully you know we can we can put a few myths to bed here. Yeah, 100%. And there are several nutrients that are critical with endurance horses. And there's things to consider which, are, which include the energy, electrolytes and water. And we will go through these to help maximize the performance and, and help owners understand their endurance horse better with how they metabolize their nutrients and also other research developments to do with the training and nutrition. Brian, it's very well summarized. What I think we might do is we might get into the muscle fibers of a horse. So, so basically, genetically, each particular horse breed is born with different muscle fibers, same as in, as in humans, you know, we're all individuals. So I might have a few more fast twitch muscle fibers and Brian might have a, a few more slow twitch, which means he can run for a lot longer than what I can, but I can sprint for a lot longer than he can. This gets all really confusing. And what we'll try to do is we'll try to explain the different muscle fibers for the endurance horse without confusing our listeners, if that makes sense. So the nuts and bolts of it is that there are basically two types of muscle fibers. You've got the type one fibers and you've got the type two fibers. Where it gets a little bit tricky is the type two fibers go into a type two A and a type two B. So let's maybe just start off first with the, with the type one muscle fibers. So basically type one fibers, they're highly oxidated, meaning that they use aerobic metabolism to produce energy. So what aerobic energy um, you know, production is basically using oxygen. So, you know, they're breathing really well. They can go on, on, on type one fibers for a, you know, for a very long time using oxygen. These fibers um, are used basically for endurance, you know, where, where those fibers are a lot more fatigue resistant 
than, than what type 2 are. And that's because they're capable of reducing um, the toxic end products of metabolism, such as lactate. And with type 1 muscle fibres, it's all to do with genetics of a horse. So if you're breeding a horse that is an endurance horse or suited to, to stamina, they're going to have a lot more of those type 1 muscle fibres in their makeup of all their muscles rather than the, the sprinter types or the Usain Bolt types with type 2A and type 2B. Very well said, Brian. So basically we'll go on to the type 2 muscle fibres, which are the fast twitch. And as I said previously, um, these type 2 go into a type 2A and a type 2B. So the type 2A muscle fibres are both high and low oxidative. So, so basically means they go slow and they go quick. Uh, these fibres are capable of, of utilising both aerobic and anaerobic metabolism to produce energy. So in, in majority of endurance horses, the type 2A, there's going to be a lot more of them than the type 2B, okay, just so we get that straight. Um, the type 2B fibres are low oxidative, meaning that they are highly anaerobic. These fibres are used to give the horse speed. So now what we have to work out is which muscle fibres we're going to train and that also depends on the duration of the training and how fast the horse needs to go. So if you're confused, our listeners out there, <laughs> we're confused. No, we're just joking. No, we're it, was, it was a lot of research to get that out and you might need to listen to this podcast twice or three times to understand the actual muscle fibres but once you do get it, it's very easy. So just to summarise it, neither class 2A muscle fibres um, has the ability to reduce lactate as what type 1 does. So basically the type 1 fibres will reduce lactate a lot more because basically you're using oxygen and fatigue is reached in a shorter time with the type 2 muscle fibres. With that muscle fibre information, now you can zero in on what nutrients feed this and how to set up a diet nutrition wise to promote more stamina and also to keep the horse stronger throughout that endurance ride. Correct. So Brian, you know, distinct differences exist basically in the type 1 and the type 2 muscle fibres among breeds and horses, more specifically among the types of performance horses, so like the quarter horses or the thoroughbreds, that, you know, they've got a much lower portion of type 1 muscle fibres, so you know, it, it wouldn't be good to train a thoroughbred for an endurance race, is, is what we're trying to say, because genetically they don't have as many, whereas say compared to, to Arabians, they would have a lot more of the type 1, so this is why we're doing a podcast on it. The biggest difference is because, you know, the racing and the timed rodeo events, you know, with the quarter horses and thoroughbreds, they go for a lot shorter times, but at a much higher intensity in the actual event itself, where if we go with the endurance, they go a lot slower, but a lot longer. Yeah, and it's, it's amazing. They can get, they can go for hours. It's, it, it's getting right up there with 160 kilometre rides. It really takes the rider concentration, the rider focus over that distance, plus all the correct hydration, nutrients and energy requirements to get them to go that distance. In my personal opinion, Brian, I think the endurance horse is probably the hardest horse out there out of all the breeds to train and to get fit because they are exposed over such a long distance, like in terms of say from your 25 kilometres to 150, where you can't really have a horse that's not fit going into a 150 kilometre event, but you can have a thoroughbred going over 800 metres that's not fit. You can, you know, you can pluck one out of the paddock, put it in a race of 800 metres, and it'll still be semi-competitive. Yeah. So it's very crucial that the endurance horse is basically, obviously, fed correctly, 
is trained correctly. The work is adapted in stages where, you know, the horse does not get sore, it does not get strained, you know, it's not susceptible sort of to injuries because they are going to be very exposed. So every box needs to get ticked. Yeah. So with your endurance horse, we now know that it has more type one muscle fibers, which leads to more stamina. So how do you feed according to this genetic makeup? And one of the key feeding uh, aspects is fat metabolism. So the byproduct of fat metabolism bears the glucose, which can be used at the end of the rides or the end of the endurance races for more explosive or rising in speed. So when glucose is anaerobically metabolized during the last minutes of, the, of an exercise, this is when the rider in an endurance race is, is asked to in, try to increase the speed of the horse just to finish off to the finish line quicker and hopefully pass more rivals in the end. And how do you do this? So you promote the use of lipid or fat metabolism through appropriate training, dietary measures and race tactics. So including a quality fat source such as sen oil, which is high in omega-3, no chemicals, all natural, you're gonna get better stamina into your endurance horse because of that glucose sparing effect into the final stages of an endurance race. This has been shown in research and the research findings, they showed that the metabolic changes observed in this led them to believe that the horses over a 160 kilometer ride, they preferentially use the metabolism of fatty acids for muscle functioning and thus saved their glucose and avoided fatigue a lot longer than those that didn't have oil or a quality fat source in the diet. Yeah, so a horse basically naturally uses fat before it you know, uses the glucose. So you know, the onset of lactic acid is gonna be a lot, like a lot longer delayed. So we want them running on, on fat and fiber. You know, they do need the, you know, the starch and carbohydrate aspect, but not for majority of the race. As Brian said, they just need it for the, you know, for the last five kilometers or, or the last 10 kilometers. Yeah. And training the horse to use this nutrient type in it, it's about six weeks at least. Six to eight training. weeks, Brian. Yeah, and this switches their body to use this in a more efficient way. And then as you're training, you're building their work up longer rather than quicker. And this is gonna shift this to a, a better state of stamina. I'll give our listeners an example, Brian, that maybe sort of in layman's terms, um, everyone can understand. So if we can imagine We've got our motor car, which is, which is the endurance horse. And now we've got the option of, of filling the tank with an Octane 98 and, and, you know, like an ethanol blend 85. Okay, so let's just say the Octane 98 is going to be the sen oil and the ethanol, you know, 85 is going to be uh, corn or, or barley or something like that. So when we fill it with, with the ethanol 95, obviously that's not going to get as well absorbed by the by the motor car so it means that it's not going to go for as long and then you know the heart then the car's going to be working a lot harder where if we if we you know mainly fill it with with the with the octane 98 that's going to be very well absorbed it's a very clean source of fuel you know the car's going to be idling really well and it's going to be just just keep going and going and going without any setbacks so i hope that makes sense to to our listeners it's it's more about how that energy source is utilized by the animal and by having an endurance source which has got a lot more type 1 muscle fibers, oil is much better absorbed as energy than what, than what carbohydrates and starches. Yeah, and also the fiber component of the diet needs to be increased because the bacteria ferment this and that forms 
the end product where the horse converts that to energy. I think right another point we should make is both with fat and fiber, you know, the rider will not get the insulin spikes with the highs and lows, sometimes, you know, with erratic behavior as well. So that is important, especially going over 150 kilometers. You don't want your horse to be, to be playing up at the beginning, halfway through, or, or sort of at the end, because the more they play up, the more energy they burn. So that means they're gonna have less in the tank when it comes to the finish line. Yep. You got multiple benefits by feeding a fiber and fat rich diet to endurance horses. It's highly digestible. It's not gonna, as Peter said, the insulin spikes are not gonna be there. It's gonna be better for that hind gut environment. So even post race, you're not gonna get an acidic environment, then you're prone to metabolic issues. Then the other aspect of the whole thing is proper electrolyte supplementation. That's a must, even on our podcast, our last podcast on water. If you haven't listened to that, I'd, I'd advise to go back to that one because water is another performance enhancer and with endurance horses, it's absolutely imperative. Brian, I'd like to make a point too that let's just, if we go off a 150 kilometer endurance event, you know, I'll be guessing, and, and I think my guess will be pretty close, that 95% of that event would be using type one anaerobic energy. So if the diet is, you know, 90% not based on fiber and fat, then a horse is gonna be, you know, running on, on, on three cylinders instead of, instead of four. Yeah, you're not feeding for performance. No, no, you're actually gonna be slowing a horse down by not feeding a lot of fat and fiber for an event that's 90%, you know, using oxygen, you know, aerobic exercise. So this is the take home message for our listeners. If you're, if you're confused, if you can get this, this message, you know, 90% of an endurance event is using aerobic energy, you know, that's utilizing those type one muscle fibers. So you must feed those type one muscle fibers and you must feed an aerobic, you know, an aerobic feed, which, which compromises of a lot of fiber, a lot of fat, Obviously, you know, we need the carbohydrates in there as well, but the carbohydrates should not be half the diet or, or, or even, you know, 30% of the diet. You know, it needs to be towards the bottom end. And we will go through the optimal um, endurance diet later on in this podcast. Yeah, and th this includes feeding throughout your training. So when you bring the horse in to start their whole preparation for the long ride or for the competition, this diet needs to be started ASAP because it allows the muscle fibers to adapt and use this as its energy source. Yeah, and those muscle fibers, Brian, just on what you just said, if, if one of our listeners has been feeding the total opposite to what, to what we've just said, it will take six to eight to even 12 weeks, you know, for the gut microbiome to start using more fat and fiber. Like, like the body's gonna go through a shock process and it will in time start utilizing fat and fiber and everything else as energy. But if, if it's been on a, on a totally different diet, don't expect the results to happen in a week or two. No. Exactly. It's going to take a little bit longer. You're going to have to monitor your horse because being on a, a higher sugar and starch diet, they're also going to have a sweet tooth. So you're going to have to encourage them to get off the candy haze or, or whatever they're being fed and making that gradual switch. And what Brian means by the candy haze is, is your barley's and your, you know, your, um, your oat and haze and these ones. You know, we do recommend a grassy hay, obviously even like a bit of loosen is fine. So we'll go through the diet shortly. Is there anything else, Brian, you wanted to, to summarize before we get into the diet? Yeah, so we, we'll just summarize that study that was performed and it was done in 2019 where it proved an insightful study into how the stamina can be preserved in performance. So in other words, the study that was published 
found that horses in a 160 kilometer endurance race made an effective metabolic switch from carbohydrate consumption to lipid or fat consumption, but in doing so managed to maintain higher blood glucose levels than horses competing over short distances. So in layman terms, they had better stamina, they were able to be a bit more explosive at the end of the race, and then they finished stronger because they still had that glucose to burn at the end. Instead of burning that glucose at, at the start, at the start, or mm. even in the middle stages of the race, you know they've had it stored and saved up for the very end when they needed it. Yeah. Brian, maybe we'll go through and summarise maybe the diet that we that we recommend. And this diet is now available on our website. So for any of our listeners out there that wanted to to have a look, it's it's under the the homepage under the suggested equine diets, um, and it pretty much just explains what we will discuss today. So Brian, let's maybe go through and just summarize um, what event you think this diet would be ideal for, um, maybe some of the work involved, then we'll go through the actual diet itself. Yeah, so this is an endurance horse training goal, and five full months to train. This training is, is composed of five to six days a week of one hour per day of riding. So three days of arena dressage work, three days of long, slow distance trail riding at a walk or including hill work. So this, this diet's gonna be based around feeding for this type of work. And I'll just add, Brian, also, so if, if our listeners can think of about, say, this diet will be good for an event from 25 kilometers up to 50 kilometers. So if you, if you are gonna go into a 150 kilometer um, event, contact us. We can we can go through and sort of you know rejig the diet. So this is pretty much on the lighter end for the endurance guys. You know, say 25 to to 50 kilometers, and also this training needs to be done over minimum three, four, even sort of five month period. So it's not like you can do this for a month and then you can jump into a to a 50 kilometer endurance event. It's just not going to happen. So you know this training is between three and five months. So just keep that in mind when you you know when you are going through the diet. Yeah, the reason for that is it's going to help their joints, their tendons, ligaments all be conditioned properly. You're going to limit injury by giving that whole foundation of training first. So, so five, six days per week at a one, you know, at a one hour per day sort of interval, that's a lot more work than a lot of the performance horses do. You know, some of the thoroughbred horses, you know, they might be out there for 10, 15, 20 minutes maximum. Where, where these endurance horses, they're out there for an hour, five, six days. So, you know, so their calorie requirements are gonna be a lot higher than what, than what some of the other performance horses are. So Brian, let's maybe go through and just, just summarize the, the light work and then maybe just jump into, into the moderate work. Yeah, so the final diet that you're gonna see on the website, what it looks like for an entire day of racing or during more intense exercise. So four to six hours, divided into two meals, AM and PM. So what we have is a light work column and your foundation will be your roads grass hay. It's the best of the haze and we've outlined that in a podcast. And it's a low sugar, low starch option and you give that free choice, so as much as they can eat. I'll just add, Brian, also some of our listeners down in New South Wales and even Victoria who don't have access to roads, Meadow Hay is, is, you know, is the next best sort of in New South Wales. I know in Victoria, it, it is a bit hard to get metal in roads. So anything that, that listeners can grab their hands on in terms of a grassy hay, you might just have to do a bit of research and see what sort of grassy hays or native hays they've got down south. Yeah. When you do find a good hay provider also, 
be best friends with them. You want to stay on that same batch or harvest because that, that'll keep your whole diet all balanced and, and your nutrient requirement the same. So Brian, I'm just going to put a disclaimer in here before we get into the first, you know, the first ingredient or the, or the first part of the diet. Um, I hope our listeners are sitting down because you, you know, you're probably going to freak out when Brian mentions that, yes, we do recommend oats to endurance horses. They're not going to be doing cartwheels or, you know, or backflips or, or, or you know, trying, to, trying to buck you off. Oats is very safe and, and Brian will explain why. So there is a little bit of a stigma with oats saying it's not a, not a cool feed or a, um, a grain that people like feeding because they think it's going to make their horse have too much energy. But the nutrient profile of oats is way better than barley or corn. The starch levels are not overloaded. Well, they need the oats, Brian, for the glycogen stores, which is what they need for that last 5, 10, 15 kilometres of the endurance race. And I will make a note here where you know, there is a stigma where, yeah, oats, you know, heat my horse up, but you have to look at what else you're feeding in a diet. And I'll be, I'll be willing to bet that for any listeners out there who have had their horse heat up on oats, they would have been feeding a grain product along with it not knowing. And what I mean by that is whether it's a pellet that's, that's the first ingredient might have been barley or millrun or, or, or corn, any fiber product that, that's below 25% fiber in our opinion, is a, you know, is a heating product. So if you're going to feed a pellet at 10% fiber and then you're going to add oats on top of that, of course that's going to heat your horse up. But if you've got your, your diet balance, which will keep going on this, if you've got you know, a high fiber aspect, you've got a high fat aspect, it's safe to feed carbohydrates because it's balanced. It's like, it's like the food pyramid we've got. You know? it's, it's slanted the right way. It's not slanted the wrong way. Mm. So Brian, sorry to cut you off. So yeah, oats, oats are absolutely fine. They're absolutely healthy. Um, we're looking at half a kilogram for light work and we're looking at about a kilogram for moderate work, which is, which is not much. Um, so Brian, what's the next ingredient in the, in the diet? Yeah, so with cracked lupins, that'll be the next, next one. And Lupins are a fantastic source of energy, protein, fiber, and they're low in starch and, and low in sugar. And beautiful amino acids. Yeah, it's got a real good lysine content, which is, is really good for muscle. And yeah, cracked lupins, they're, they're safe to feed dry, damp, whatever your horse does like, but it's not going to upset the overall nutrient profile of the diet. If for some reason some of our listeners can't get lupins in their area, you can also feed lucin instead. Obviously, lucin and, and lupins—you know—they're both a legume. Um, even oxalate grasses that might be—you know—might be handy to add a little bit, of, like a little bit of lucin to the diet. But the foundation, as Brian said, should be should be a grassy hay, and then obviously with the oats we've got, and then the lupins is a, is a great match. They're at 150 grams for light work and, and 300 grams for for moderate work. And this is quite funny that. Um I was talking to a client during the week and they told their, their trainer, oh, I'm switching from beet or beet pulp to lupins. And the trainer made a kind of a ridiculous comment saying, oh, lupins make the horse loopy. And well, they got the LL going, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I sort of had to say, like, politely or just inform the client to tell the, the trainer that, Lupins don't make horses loopy, and even oats, they don't set them off. It, 
can be a mineral imbalance that's not being balanced properly, which is the most likely cause because like oats, they, they put phosphorus into the diet. You gotta look at your whole nutrient profile. Lupins is the same thing. You, you're gonna get more protein, but then you're gonna fully balance that out and look at the other feed, types of feed in the diet. So there has been a lot of stigmas between these two, but we use the, this combination as our grain source or our glycogen source for performance horses to keep the profile as cool as it can. So mentally and in their temperament, they perform at their best. Brian, I think the send grain free complete feed is the, is, is the fourth down the list at 1.2 kilograms for light work and 1.5 for moderate. So this is the saving grace basically. So if any of our listeners are, are worried going, geez, they're talking about oats and lupins and geez, my horse is gonna you know, start, start bucking on me. 1.5 kilograms of grain free, that's the fiber aspect you've got one kilogram of oats and 300 grams of lupins. So you've got 1.3 kilograms of oats and lupins up against 1.5 kilograms of grain-free. That balances each other out. So as you can see, Brian, by feeding a lot of healthy fiber with vitamins, minerals against a grain and a legume, that cancels each other out. And that's the perfect mix. You know, you don't have too much one or too much of the other. Everything's balanced. Yeah, 100%. You're feeding for performance. You're feeding for better performance because you're matching what that horse has genetically, which is a higher proportion of type one muscle fibers. And that's where the fiber comes in. And, and also, you know, the sun oil, if you can elaborate too. Yeah, so in the light work, you've got the 150 mils of the sun oil and in the moderate work, it's 250 mils. And this is gonna provide a cool source of energy without that byproduct of lactic acid. So in terms of stamina, it's gonna help increase that stamina and spare that glycogen. And as an example, Brian, 250 mil of the sand oil energy-wise, if we say times three, you know, it's equivalent of, of around about 700 to 750 grams of oats. So you know, here you are with a, a very densely calorific um, you know, oil that's gonna give you almost as much as what a kilogram of, of oats does. So our listeners can probably visualize now you know, the, feed, the feed triangle, if we can call it, the pyramid, where you know we've got a lot of fat, you know we've got a lot of fiber, you know we've got the we've got the carbohydrates, and then we've got obviously the legume in there as well. Yep. So that's where it's balanced. Yeah, and you might notice there's other feeds on the market that that put oil through their hard feeds, and it's just it's just not natural and in a way not stabilized because when you've got a bag that's opened and it has been coated in oil or a cooking oil, what we're trying to create is a way more balanced, fresher nutrient profile when you feed each component individually and we're not jamming it all into a complete feed. Well, Brian, if you, if you look at, the, you know, at, a, at a feed bag that's got say 5% or 6% fat in it, off a kilogram, this is only gonna be 50 or 60 mil. So well, we're recommending 250, there's no way you're gonna get enough oil yeah. out, of a, out of a feed bag to last an endurance horse. Yeah, let alone one that's high in omega-3. So you're getting two benefits rather than one benefit, which is, which is probably depleted in its omega-3 or N omega-6 um, fatty acids, because it's not fresh. No, it's just, yeah, you're just basically feeding dead fat. Yeah, yeah. So what we've done with the diet too is we recommend a core group of, of essential supplements 
for the endurance horse and, and, and what those supplements are is, is the Send Gold. Brian, do you want to sort of elaborate why we've, we've used the Send Gold for the, for the endurance horse? Yeah, so Send Gold with all performance horses, it, it's a really good supplement to help support joints, skin and coat, but also it can help in recovery with its pain relieving, its natural pain relieving effect. And I think also as an insurance policy for, you know, for the joints, you know, because they, they are going through such a long distance and with the turmeric and, and the curcumin and, and you know, the anti-inflammatory uh, benefits out of, out of curcumin, I think it's just, as I said, it's more an insurance policy just to, you know, for the benefit of the horse. Yeah, 100%. So the next one on the list is the complete electrolyte and this is our sugar and filler-free low, low feed rate electrolyte and 25 grams on the day of work and competition, but this can be adjusted depending on the length of the, the ride and at your points of hydration because you wanna supply clean, fresh water between these times, plus get the electrolyte into them. So why they need the electrolyte is more or less with the sodium chloride to push that water into the cells, which is what hydrates the horse. Yeah, and our, our electrolyte, it matches what is lost in sweat. So if you've got a really humid day, horses sweating profusely, getting an ele a quality electrolyte in them to replace that is really important. And also the salt in the diet is going to be your base sodium and chloride to help get the water inside the cells to hydrate properly. And we recommend about the 40 grams, but this, this is an approximation because what we do is we work off a body weight of say per 100 kg, you feed around 10 grams per, per 100 kg. So the loss of electrolytes cause fatigue, muscle weakness, you know, decreases in thirst response from, you know, from dehydration. Therefore, you know, it's vital to replace the electrolyte losses in endurance horses because that really affects performance. Yeah, it's, it's one of the, the key things with endurance horses. And if you don't get the electrolyte balance right, you're going to run into other conditions like the thumps or another another way where the horse has staggers or, or real severe dehydration. So this is paramount for our listeners out there that you can, you know, you can have the best endurance diet, you can have the best supplements, but if your horse is dehydrated even up to 2%, that decreases performance by 10%. And, and there's research out of America proving that. So, you know, if there's anything that you need to keep a close eye on, it's make sure your horse does not perform dehydrated or get dehydrated during the event. Yeah. Brian, how does the, the gamma formula fit into the, to the equation here? So the gamma formula in our endurance diet, so you'll give 15 mils to the endurance horse and it's got a really highly concentrated um, gamma resinol extract, which is emulsified incense oil. So what it does is it, it provides a horse with a high amount of antioxidants, which helps improve overall body condition helps reduce the stress in hardworking horses, so in the endurance horse, helps the, the, their appetite and then helps that lean muscle growth and recovery. Perfect, perfect. And obviously the last one is, is salt at, at 10 grams per 100 kilograms of body weight. And we mentioned previously, we need the salt to push that water into the cells, which then hydrates the horse. So they keep the water in the cells, meaning that obviously they they maintain performance a lot better and, and as we said previously, dehydration really hampers hampers performance. So the, the number one priority apart from the fiber and fat should be should be salt. Yeah. So with this diet, we give owners the option with their horse. So every horse is different. 
they've got all different situations, environments, genetic potential, their abilities are all varied. So a horse that suffers from ulcers, we suggest Ascent Ulcer Protect. Uh, a horse that su suffers from digestive problems, we recommend Ascent Extra Balance. And both these supplements are targeted for those two conditions. I think, Brian, the Extra Balance is really good for as well. If, if, if some of our listeners have got a stress head or, you know, or if they are going to be driving for a, you know, for a long period of time, before the event, you know, it's good to, to use the extra balance as a, you know, as an insurance policy to, to keep the horse calm. You know, it does it does balance their, you know, their, their gut microbe to, to to maintain obviously, you know, compose you know composure in a way as well. So it, it, you know, stress is the biggest is the biggest killer for, for you know for for composure. So it's an insurance policy. Any any horses that are have been prone to ulcers that have been Scope to ulcers, you know, the ulcer protect is a is a, is another good insurance policy. Um, we are getting really good feedback from clients from from the ulcer protect with before and afters, and we've even had a horse that um, that was scoped after being for was it six weeks um, or eight weeks on on ulcer protect, and a, and, a, and a scope came back really clean. So yeah, and, and more importantly, the performance of the horse was amazing for the for the owner, and um, she's very happy. Yeah, so that that wraps up our podcast on endurance horses and if you do know anyone with an endurance horse that would love to listen please share it with your family and friends we really value your feedback and tagging us on the social medias even screenshotting uh, the podcasts and telling us why you like that you like listening and we will do a shout out jacinda rogers on Instagram, she um, said, "What better way to catch up on the Send Horse podcast than the school pickup all work?" So she's listening in the car. Yeah, she was onto the the Sensia Fifty episode thirteen. It looks like, and we really appreciate your support. Send in suggestions for subjects. We know we've got a few hot ones coming up. We just want to help as many horse owners understand their horse and also we're learning about things even in human science and horse science every day and we never stop learning. And I think also Brian to maybe to debunk some of the myths like we did say today with with the oats and you know this this horse feeding hasn't really been changed for the last 30, 40, 50 years it's sort of it's been stagnant with, with a lot of the you know a lot of the human nutrition what they were doing five years ago, you know, it's totally different to what they're doing in, in, in 2020. So, you know, we at Sen try to keep up with the latest research that's out there, both both human and animal. And then obviously we try to spread the word about what the latest trends are, you know, what, what's the latest research, what's working, what's not. So, you know, don't be scared to feed those team endurance horses is, you know, is what we're trying to say. Yeah, most importantly, we're getting the results with these diets. And for, for years now, we've been building up that that client base who've been telling their friends and having that success. And I, I don't think we'd be here if it wasn't working. And and like Brian said, we welcome even negative feedback. You know, we do get the occasional phone call saying, hey, look, you know, I've done this, you know, my horse, you know, it was great. And then, and, and then it's gone a little bit backwards. And, you know, we found out that it's the spring grass that's come through that, you know, that's affected the horse. So there's always a reason for something not working. And we want to hear the good, you know, the good news stories, but we also want to hear when things aren't working, because if we don't know about it, we can't fix it. Yeah, 100%. They're a big puzzle. Each horse has its own unique quirks or environment, genetics. There's many factors, not just nutritional feed, because the feed does get blamed straight away when that's been the constant thing that hasn't changed. And 
owners have to be reminded that what works on one horse will, will not necessarily work on another horse. Well, that's the same with Brian. It's the same with humans. You know, like we might, you know, we might go for a, you know, for a walk out in the park, and you know, I might come back with an allergy. Where you walk through that same path as what I did, and you're fine. Or you know, I might get hay fever and I'm sneezing away, but yet, but yet you're fine as well. So. You know, it's not one size fits all. You know, Brian always says each horse is an individual and what affects one of them will not affect the other horse. So it's about putting the pieces of the puzzle together and, and just trying to work out, well, what's best for that horse? And if it's not working, how can we fix it? Yeah. And in the meantime, they're, they're fascinating creatures to research and we really, we really are thankful for all your support. So until next time, keep tagging us and sharing on the send users group there's a there's a lot of activity show off your horses we we love seeing them and we share it around the whole team and we will have another podcast to you very soon and i hope everyone has a safe weekend have a great weekend guys cheers